0: This Opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Menuchement celebrity interview is up next, but first Take a listen to this other fine old pie show. On Ann Friends, we give you more pushing for the cushion and the most sexual episode yet. And Friends, episode 69. 69. We are talking about absolutely nothing, save nothing, but the horizontal hokey pokey. That's right. Just like slapping two planks together, we're going to be caressing your ears with sexual serenades you haven't heard. That's what she said. Listen to Ann Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This
1: is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview. Interview with Rick and Dave. Rick, very excited to introduce our next guest for over 50 years. He's been appearing on stage, screen, film, and even video games and animation, I think. Uh, you've seen him in the 1983 classic Bad Boys. And the original, not the one with Sean Penn, not the not the newfangled one. Uh, uh, David Mamet's Homicide. He's been on hit TV shows like Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. Uh, You may have seen him on stage, earning critical acclaim in productions like The Hounds of Baskervilles, Frost Nixon, Our Town, Death of a Salesman. Uh, Over the years, we've had on billionaires and Grammy Award winners and Oscar winners, but I don't think we've ever had on someone that i went to hebrew school with but now we do please welcome actor adam bitterman how you doing adam i'm really well david how are you <laughs> good uh first question how cool was i in at hebrew school do you even remember me i mean i was the cool guy do you remember how cool i was um well it, since
2: it will um obviously make me exponentially uncooler to not remember the cool guy um i will say absolutely i I remember you so terribly fondly
1: and remember my hair too i had an awesome i had an awesome mullet there do you remember that do you remember how cool i was i think we probably all had awesome mullets (laughs) around because
2: i i mean that 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 was the uh the 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 late 70s and early 80s right so yeah it was the mullets
1: you know and if i knew what was going to happen with my hairline i probably wouldn't have had the mullet years if you know what i'm saying
2: Oh, you and me both. I, if, if 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 I could have if I could have saved it just just to fold it over the the spot on the top, now I, I would have been. I'd be a lot happier. I think.
0: Now you've been a working actor since you were five years old, and yeah, yeah a few months ago we had Danny Bonaduce on the show. From right the Partridge family, and he mentioned that it, to him it was clear when he was very young that acting was going to be a, a big part of his life for many years. Was it like that for you? Did you just know? Because I'm 57 and I'm still trying to figure it out.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, let me let me tell you. So the the first um, TV commercial I ever did. I was five years old. Now, when, when somebody says, Oh, you've been acting for 50 years, you, the, the first thought is, Oh, this guy must be, you know, 60 or 70 or 80 years old. Right. Well, right. I started when I was five years old. Um, and my first, uh, professional job was a television commercial, um, for, uh, for a product, uh, called craft peanut brittle which they no longer make and this was this was a time when there were only three tv channels um you know basically there was abc cbs nbc and i guess you know public television
0: yeah and in chicago wgn and yes we we were plentiful with our five channels
2: absolutely (laughs) um so uh i did this commercial and, and in those days you were able to find out exactly when it would air and what time and what channel it would air. Um, So I was in kindergarten and we had a television in my public school kindergarten class because the teacher would turn on Sesame Street or romper room or something else like that. And we knew that my television commercial was going to be coming on when I was in my kindergarten class. So my teacher made a point of putting it on. So I immediately became the school celebrity because everybody saw me on a TV commercial. And I guess it was the combination of that ego boost at five years old and the combination of being able to get out of class to go to auditions. <laughs> and, you know, so so all of those things combined, um, it, it made it, it, it was a, a very um, appealing thing for me. Um, and I was fortunate enough to continue working pretty steadily uh for like the next eight or nine years um so yeah uh it was something i knew right away that i wanted to pursue
0: at that age dave and i were eating paste so <laughs> well, right. we were eating craft peter brittle yeah. peter brittle yeah, a and i broke you. four
1: teeth and you're gonna get sued my friend is what's gonna
0: happen uh
1: wait a second so you were the cool kid in hebrew school not me i yeah, forgot I, I got the why. roles mixed up actually uh
2: nah you know, you know i i was always uh i was always a bit of a uh a, a geeky kid um especially you know hebrew school we were what, like 12, 13 years old, and and yeah. that was the that was the age when actually I started slowing down working because I hit that awkward teenage yeah. years. Um, I stopped being cute, and I stopped being even nerdily cute, and I just became nerdy. Um, you know, I had horn rim glasses, uh, probably a bit of a mullet. Um, I was short I was pudgy uh, You know um, All my clothes were You know husky um, So 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 you know um, I, I, I think I was anything But the cool kid When when we were When we were in uh, in, in, in Hebrew school Around those ages
1: uh, you, you know what I remember That you had a Beatles mop top haircut Kind of right Yes And Yes I read a and I read a story that uh while that haircut may have been out of style in the late seventies and the early eighties, it actually landed you maybe your first agent i i saw an article I don't know a magazine article or something about it that well tell the story tell the Beatles mop top i mean, I hope you know the story well, uh, but the i
2: I, the- I do know the story um but the 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 time frame is off um Okay. that was that that was when i first got my a- first agent when i was around five years old so we're talking about you know between 1969 and 1970 um my father uh who you may have remembered from yeah. from temple um uh-huh. he he made his living as uh, uh an artist making jewelry and sculpture mm. but for years, he also worked as a uh, part-time uh, commercial model um, and commercial actor. He was a he had a very distinct look, um, and he always played characters like the French chef, or the hot dog mm-hmm. vendor, or the you know the the, the electrical lineman. You know, um, he had a big handlebar mustache. Uh, mm-hmm. So so. Um, when I was four or five years old, he took me on a set for a job that he was doing. And I met his agent, um, a woman named Shirley Hamilton, who was one of the biggest commercial agents in Chicago at the time. Um, And her agency is still today one of the biggest agencies in Chicago. But at the time, you know, I had these big blue eyes Um, And I had this sort of 1960s Beatles haircut this just mop of brown hair. And my father introduced me to her and she basically fell in love with me right away and said, you know, if you ever wanted to try and put him in TV commercials, I would be happy to represent him. So he took me out in the backyard when we got home and he took some pictures of me and we put together uh, a little composite uh, of different looks uh, of me. And she started representing me and that's how I started doing uh, most of my television commercial work.
0: That's awesome. So you know, I also for our people here in Chicago, uh, I know that you uh, trained, spent some time at Evanston, Evanston's uh, Piven Theater Workshop, where yes, you, you studied with uh, Burn and Joyce Piven, and everybody knows Jeremy Piven, uh, their son. Uh, did that have a big influence on your career? How, how what uh, what impact did that have on you?
2: Well. Uh You know, there's no understate, there's no, there's no overstating the um, amount that I learned working there. Um, You know, it was my first time in a regimented um, acting class, Um, but it was certainly not a typical acting class. Um, and I started there when I was nine years old. Um, and I stayed at the workshop until I was 18. So a good long time. Um, mm-hmm. and it taught me everything I know about improvisation and everything I know about story theater and everything I know Uh, uh, everything I first learned about putting together a production and being involved in a play and rehearsing and, you know, doing a a technical rehearsals and have performing in front of an audience. Um, And, and, and I mean, that didn't happen right away. You know, there were classes first um, and eventually Uh, you know, the, the, the Pivens had, um, had when I first started, the Pivens had what was called the young people's company, which was basically uh, a performance based group of high school aged, uh, students who they all thought who Joyce and Byrne thought were good enough to put on stage and charge an audience to come and watch. Um, the the group I was in was younger than that, and that involved that included uh, John. The, the young people's company included um, John Cusack's older sisters, uh, Joan and Anne, um, and Jeremy's older sister Shira. Um, but my class, my group, uh, included John Cusack and Jeremy Piven, and a couple of others. Um, And at some point, uh, Joyce and Byrne decided that our class uh, also should be uh, put up on stage. So um, in order to complement the young people's company, they decided to form what they called the junior company. So while the young people's company was 16, 17, 18 years old, the junior company was 13 14 15 Mm -hmm. so i was a part of that group um and uh like i said eventually once we started getting on stage it was my first exposure to performing for a live audience um and in addition to all the shows all the scripted stories um that we did uh every show uh wrapped up what eventually we moved up and became the young people's company. Um, and at the end of every show, similar to the way at second city, um, when they finish their scripted performances, they'll do an improv set. Um, we did the same thing at Piven, Uh, and that quickly became, uh, some of the more, most popular aspects of our performances. Because the the improv sets were, you know, hilarious, um, and and John and I uh, were very frequently teamed up together uh, to do um, an improv game. Um, so yeah, I you know I I I, I learned yeah.
1: so much from them. Um, And you were only and that was from nine to 18, basically. Right. Is that so? Yeah. So middle middle school to the end of high school, basically. Uh, And then you go off to. So then you go off. I mean, if that isn't enough, then you go off to NYU and then you study under under legendary acting teacher Stella Adler. Right. And then and then you started working uh With David Mamet and William H Macy, it's like uh, just incredible. I mean, you were a young man, and you've got all of these great, this great education. Tell us about NYU and and Mamet and William Macy.
2: And NYU was awesome. Um, The thing about the undergraduate drama program is when you audition and when you are accepted you are placed into one of several different studios, professional training studios in Manhattan. Um, And you are placed in one of them based on your audition and what the uh, department, uh, the theater chair um, deems to be your strengths and your weaknesses as an actor, and they put you in uh, the, what they think is the appropriate studio. And those, could, those studios included uh, Stella Adler and the Lee Strasberg Institute and Circle in the Square and Playwrights Horizons um, and a bunch of different ones. So um, I was put in the Stella Adler um, Conservatory uh, in Midtown Manhattan um and i and it was only a 3 year program so i studied uh you 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 study for your first 2 years um with stella's assistants uh her ma- the master teachers and then in your 3rd year you study with stella um wow. and uh it was incredible um because not only did you have a chance to meet and work with and be directed by uh, an, an actress of such renown. You also saw her, you know, firsthand um, using her own technique. Um, It would not be uncommon for her to go from speaking to the class in with trying to explain something to sort of seamlessly, um, performing what she was trying to explain. So if she was talking about something, um, you know, some sort of emotional response that a character might have in the course of a scene, um, she would go from from talking about it to showing us how it would how it should look um and and to just you know you're sitting close enough to to look her right in the eye um and you know to just to just see her face go from being a teacher to being the character experiencing this emotional response within a, a moment was really had, a, uh, an effect on me as an actor. Um, so a- after my third year, I had a fourth year at NYU before I could get my degree, um, and, and didn't know what I was going to do. um, The first six months, I went to London and did a directing internship at the Royal Court Theatre in London. (laughs) But I still had a semester back in New York that I had to finish up. Now, since I had started at NYU, another studio had formed, and that was called the Practical Aesthetics Workshop. And that was based on the teachings of David Mamet. Um, and Bill Macy was one of his, uh, instructors. So I auditioned and got into to the practical aesthetics workshop. Um, so I worked with them a little bit at the end of my senior year. And then I spent a summer with them. Um, they did a program in Montpelier, Vermont every year, every summer. So I went up to Vermont and I and I basically was with a group of people who ended up forming the Atlantic Theater Company in New York um, with people like uh, Clark Gregg, who is agent Phil Colson. Um, in all the Marvel Avengers movies and Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was one of the guys there. Felicity Huffman was one of the students there. Kristen Johnson from Third Rock from the Sun was one of the people there. Um, So there were a lot of uh, students who would go on to become uh, uh, really famous and really successful. Um, Titus Welliver Uh, who is Bosch on the Amazon show. Bosch was up there. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I I had a chance to study with David and to study with uh, Bill Macy. Um, And that also sort of led to my first uh, speaking role in a feature film, because the, um, the fall after... I spent time up in Montpelier. David was, you know, David who was from the Chicago area, um, was coming back to Chicago to direct the movie things change with Joe Montaigne and Don Amici. And I had mentioned to him that I was from Chicago, um, that I was planning on going back to Chicago after, uh, the summer program had ended um, and when I was back in Chicago, a couple of months, my phone rang and it was a casting director from this show, from this movie, things change. And she basically said, yeah, David has a part for you in the movie. So wow. that's how I, that's how I got my first speaking role in a, for, in a feature film. Um, and homicide, the movie homicide was a, a, another very, um, similar story except that movie was shot in baltimore so it was another instance of the phone ringing and a casting director saying david has a part for you in this movie are you available and going out to baltimore for five days
0: (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah and you know you just wait till you see what happens after this show after being on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is the highlight. of You're just going to propel yeah. you yeah. into another world. Uh, yeah. One, yeah. one of the things you're, that I, I noticed about you, your uh, resume when I was taking a look at it, and it has a, a bunch of voiceover work, and yeah. and stuff for video games which is uh, always interesting a lot of our our kids are obviously on video games all the time and you've been on some of the biggest ones like uh, world of warcraft how, how do you like doing the voiceover stuff is that something that is a big part of your uh i don't know your your daily ritual now that you're an actor is this part of what you do um
2: I I wish I could say it was. Um, Unfortunately, the lion's share of video games are still done out of Los Angeles. Um, And now that I'm back in Chicago, the opportunities are not as um, plentiful as they were. Um, So here's the thing. There were a few, and when I say a few, I'm gonna, I'll say, you know, that I knew of maybe a half dozen casting directors who did almost all the video games. And there was one, a woman named Bridget Burdine who did a lot of them. And she would all, she was the one who booked me a lot of my jobs and it got to a point where you know the casting directors know the pool of talent that they're working with and what they will tend to do is you know it won't necessarily go through your agent it'll just be a direct um you know she'll send you a bunch of uh different characters um and uh you know pieces of the script and say you know look these over if there's any that you feel like you can do you know record the audition and send it in to me so you were working with a very limited talent pool you know she would the casting directors would send out a few uh audition requests to a select group of actors and that's how a lot of my jobs uh my voiceover jobs uh were landed um in- you know, in and 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 I, I can't really recall the year. I would say maybe it was around 20, 2009 or 2010. Um, tragically, Bridget was killed by a hit and run driver on New yeah. Year's Eve in California. She was walking down the shoulder of, I think it was the Pacific coast highway. And she was on new year's Eve and she was hit by a car and she was killed. Um, And her stable of voice actors all sort of went off in different directions. Um, So when Bridget left, you know, when she, when she, when she was so tragically taken, my voice video game career sort of died at the same time um there were some games and game producers that i had worked with in the past and if they wanted to bring back my character because you know like um in the in the starcraft games i played the same character um so i may have booked the first one you know, through an audition, but when they brought the character back, they called me to just come back and do it again. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I I, I wish I could do more video games, but there's just not as much opportunity out here um, in Chicago. You know, a lot of it is just being cast out of L.A.
1: Yeah, yeah. And now that you're in Chicago, obviously, that's that that's going to make it difficult. You know, I'm looking at your IMBD right now and uh, you played a, you played a wide range of characters here. You were played father Sean in the exorcist. Uh, yes. obviously they did not know about you and me in Hebrew school when they casted you on <laughs> Father Sean uh, uh,
0: uh, but he can stretch he's stretching I consider
2: that to be um, a, a, a great acting challenge that was accomplished was a good Jewish boy playing an Irish Catholic priest
0: who's this uh, Jesus uh, Christ we're talking about what is this yeah
1: yeah. 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 Uh, well I mean you've you, I think you've played Dr. Watson on stage, I don't know, a hundred times. I'm looking at this, uh, but I mean, you're the wide range of characters. I mean, it just really, it's impressive about how, you know, your range. But do you have any favorite characters that are, are you you seem, Crooked Cop seems pretty, you're pretty prevalent being a Crooked Cop too, aren't you? Yeah, well... (laughs) you know look. he's from um, chicago
2: (laughs) yeah yeah. so look so first of all one of the one of the things that i learned from stella adler was you always have to take your character's uh point of view you always have to take your character's side in, in 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 you know in a discussion um so i have never i've always when i when i approach characters i never describe them as you know a crooked cop for example he's always a cop who's trying to do the best he can do in the situation that he's in
0: he's got mouths to feed at home (laughs) right
2: exactly now now if if his actions and his behavior come off to an outside observer as being crooked or dirty. Well, that's fine. You know, but as an actor, you can never play him as crooked or as dirty or more specifically as evil or as bad, you know, um, that being said, Uh, I do have a tendency to, um, get cast as, um, police officers, uh, with a grudge or police Mm -hmm. officers with an agenda. Now, interestingly, if we're talking about my, uh, Chicago PD, uh, detective, um, See, that's a character that I never viewed as being dirty or as being bad or as, uh, you know, he, there's nothing in the script that leads you to leads leads lead, leads me or even anyone to believe that he's anything other than a cop who's trying to solve the case he's been assigned. Um, but for some reason when i see comments that different fans may make about the show and about the character he's always described as being that racist (laughs) cop um when, when, when i went in to do um what's called adr Uh, Additional dialogue recording. Sometimes when you're recording something, the dialogue doesn't get picked up uh, or they change a line and you have to go in afterwards and re-record it. We you know, we uh, all the the Dick Wolf one Chicago shows do their ADR uh, at BAM Studios downtown Chicago i walked into bam uh to do some adr for my episode of chicago pd and the the engineer and the producer who were running the sessions said yeah you're a great bad cop And and my my, my, my response was did my first my first question was did you see the whole episode and and they said yeah and i said well tell me what i did that makes you think i'm a bad cop and they said well you're just going after voight i'm like well yeah voight is not squeaky clean either you know who's so if i'm going after him why does that make me the bad cop
0: so wow you're even in character when you're going in to record your lines uh for afterwards that's great you're on the blue line you're on the blue line and you're the
1: character right Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> always, always
2: fight for your for, fight for what your character believes.
1: There is more to come with our guest on Mnuchement Celebrity Interview right after this. We'll be right back. This is Stick to Everything. I'm Larry. And I'm Paul. We continue on in this very, very cold winter as we explore a number of random topics during this pandemic. I hit on the Peloton and also the antisocial people that are at the gym near that Peloton. I talk about going through my memory box and one really important question as we look ahead to maybe someday the end of the pandemic. That's on Stick to Everything. Hope you tune in. Listen to Stick to Everything podcast with Larry Hawley and Paul M. Banks on Spotify,
0: opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm back to you. We cover it all, beginning with snowstorms that have names. What's the deal with that, weatherman? We're going to find out. And we're going to find out who watched what and to what degree in 2020 on television. Some of the top-rated shows might surprise you. And what should you never ask anybody? Hey, how can we make these promos longer? All of that. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, Back to you. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Murder in Ukraine. Join us on a middle-aged road trip. Green breast milk. Really? (laughs) And my brush with Rush Limbaugh. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Now back to our guest on Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Well, I must say, this has been a very interesting conversation. We usually don't get into uh, such depth on on acting, and and it's I've really enjoyed it. It's been it. wonderful. It's um, been great! Oh, thank you. Good. I'm uh, glad. If listeners want to follow your career, uh, where where can they where can they find you? Tell uh, tell everyone well, the best ways.
2: I have a website which is adambitterman.com. Um that has a lot about the stuff I have done in in the past. Um and hopefully once uh, production uh starts up in chicago whether it's theater or film or tv uh hopefully i'll have something to promote um and that would be the place to find it um you can also uh as you mentioned you can look up my imdb page uh which will have uh strictly film and tv work um just go to imdb.com uh and type in my name adam bitterman um and if you wanted to follow me on instagram uh my instagram handle is adam bit with one t um and i'm also on twitter at adam.bitterman so, you know, yeah. basically So there's an orthopedic surgeon Named Adam Bitterman oh. um, But other than him Wait a second, this did, is
1: not the orthopedic surgeon? The I odds. thought we were talking to the orthopedic.
2: Right. <laughs> in And he's in New York But other than him If you go to Google and you Google in Adam Bitterman um, That's where uh, you'll be able To find anything And everything related to Me and my career
0: well, uh, thanks very much for being on the show.
2: This has and-
1: been great, Adam, and nice, uh, nice uh, d- c- coming into contact again, and let's keep in touch. And uh, absolutely, good luck to you, man thanks very much
2: thanks for reaching out david and thanks for uh, having me on the show and letting me yammer on about myself because you know that's the thing that actors love doing
1: the most <laughs> oh, other <no>. than acting <laughs> is talking about ourselves so and,
2: thank you and so we much have
1: found, we have found just real quick that during covid when we get an actor on um, it's like we can't get them off the phone. Although this didn't happen with you, but we've had a list. I mean, like crazy celebrities. Like, and then there's another story. It's like, okay, let's wrap this up. Robert De Niro, come on, you know, we, we don't yeah. have all day. But we all uh, have,
2: we all have stories, you know. Um, and you got nothing and, to do right now, you know. Exactly, exactly. And you know, if 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 you if you if you if you, if you give an actor time to tell a story. They'll they'll always find <laughs> think of another one and it'll be more interesting than the one they just told.
1: So Well we'll love to ha- you know. love to have you on again. We'll love to have you on again, Adam.
2: Anytime, I'd be happy to do it, guys. This uh, was a pleasure. Uh,
0: uh, thanks, Adam. Uh, have a good one, right, thank you.
1: Take care. Right.
0: Bye. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview.
1: Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows dot com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place.
0: radiomisfits.com dot And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
1: The preceding was a presentation of OPI Productions on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has
0: been a presentation of OPI pie productions
1: tony can you shut up
0: coming up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive we give some love to cars that should have been loved the first time around plus a car wash might be trouble i'm mark vernon join me and Lou costable for these stories and more on the car guys report a tony lasano podcast and opi production on the radio misfits podcast network All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of Coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear uh, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what... Podcast? would you tell people they need to listen to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick and that's on the Radio Misfits podcast network Free Kicks a Tony Lasano podcast Opie Show on the Radio
1: Misfits podcast network Great Talk Radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com